Zayin Cheshvan is the yard site of one of the greatest leaders of Polish Jewry. Rabbi Meir Shapiro, known primarily as the Rosh Hashiva of Chachmei Lublin, and as the founder of the Dafyomi, was born in Romania in 1887. He was born into a family of great Yichas. His father was the Rav Av Bezdin of his hometown, and his father was a descendant of great Hasidish Rebbes. He was a descendant of the famous Rapinchas of Karitz, Rapinchas Karitzer. His mother also came from an illustrious family. She was a descendant of the Bach, who was, of course, the father-in-law of the Taz. As a young boy, the stories that are told about Rav Meir are almost legendary. They're actually hard to believe. They say that when he was four years old, he began to learn, and his mother made a su'uda and invited many people to attend the simcha. Now usually we know when children begin to learn, they're given a flag, they're given some honey, and uh, it's a very pleasant occasion. But they say that Rameir Shapiro himself, at the age of four, said a speech which he had himself written. And of course, the legend continues how he was a tremendous Ili, a child prodigy, who learned primarily within his home environment. We do not know of any yeshiva background or any specific rabbinim who were his teachers except for his own father and grandfather. At a very young age, he was known as an Ili and a Masmid, and at the age of 23, he became Rav of a city in Poland, where he stayed for a number of years, until 1924, when he was approximately 36, 37, he became the Rav of Pietrakov, which was a much more illustrious town in Poland. While he was there, he became very active in Agudas Israel. In a certain sense, he identified himself with the Aguda. He said, I and the Aguda are one. In the Aguda ranks, he became the educational director of the Aguda, became one of the leaders of the Aguda, and as the leader of the Aguda, he became a member of the Polish parliament, the SEM. The Polish parliament always had certain Jewish representatives, and Rameir Shapiro was chosen to be that representative. He had a knowledge and awareness of the foreign culture and could deal with issues of the SEM. He was also apparently, as we can see from pictures, a very striking appearance, very noble carriage, and seemed to have made an impression upon everyone whom he met. Of course, the major two events of his life are the most remarkable stories of Rabbi Meir Shapiro. 
He planned to build this yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin. The, until that time, yeshivas were places of a base medrash where people learned. But the boys who wanted to study in yeshiva had very difficult conditions. The concept, of course, of esenteg, of eating days, was the approach taken in those yeshivas. The fellows were assigned, if they were lucky, to different houses once a week to get a decent meal. Dormitories did not really exist, and the yeshiva boys really lived a life of hardship. <coughs> they used to quote the Mishnah and Pirkei Avos, Kachi the Mishnah says, this is the way of Torah. You should eat bread and salt, drink a measure of water. Your sleeping conditions are not very good. But somehow we think, from the poverty-stricken, those people that study day and night in the, in the being themselves totally indigent, somehow will, Torah will emerge. Ramir opposed this concept and he said he wants to build a big yeshiva. In order to do that, he had to go around the world raising money for this yeshiva. He said that he's going to build a building with a hundred rooms. A building which had a dormitory, which had, of course, a Bet Midrash, which had a tremendous library. The And essentially the concept of a kitchen and the place where the yeshivas would eat was an innovation of a Meir Shapir. In the building, they built a mikveh as well. In order to raise money, the mayor was faced with a reluctance of many people to give money, as they were not accustomed to the fact that we give money on a large scale to build the yeshiva. Many stories are told about the wit and wisdom of a mayor going around to collect money. They say that one time he went to someone's house and the person quoted that Mishnah. Why are you building such a beautiful house? The mayor quoted the end of the Mishnah. Is this the way you live? Is this the way you really think Torah meant for us to live? It's true that Torah can also come out of poverty situation. But is this the way it's done? Perhaps we should read it as a question mark. That's really the way Torah should be learned. That you should eat bread and salt. The mayor, of course, was rebuffed quite often. One of the stories that is told is when he went to a certain person and asked for a large donation, the person not only gave him nothing, but insulted him and berated him. When Reb Meir was leaving the house, he turned to the Balabas, who really, really had been rude to him, and said, I'm not pregnant. The Balabas, of course, did not understand this esoteric comment, and he asked Reb Meir to explain. And Reb Meir said, Sometimes I come to a person's house, and he doesn't give me any money. But he pays me such respect. He talks about the concept of building yeshiva, the importance of Torah. He pays personal homage to me. But he says he doesn't have any money. 
When that happens, I say, a kapara on the money. At least I got some cover, got some respect, some dignity out of it. Sometimes the opposite happens. I come to a person who will give me a check. He'll give me a, a, even a large sum of money. But he'll say, schnurr, and treat me with such disrespect and make me feel terrible. And I'll walk away from that house and say, a kapara on the, on the dignity and honor. At least I got the money. In your case, he turned to the Balabas, you both insulted me, hurt my feelings, and gave me no money. That's a kapara both on the money and the kapara. That's two kaparas. Only a pregnant woman needs two kaparas. Of course, Arab Yom Kippur, there's a custom of doing kaparas. And we always do one kapara. Once upon a time, today also, some people take chickens and do a kapara. We take one chicken. But a pregnant woman has the custom of taking two. One for her, and one for the embryo, for the child. So, a pregnant woman takes two kaparas. You may have said, I don't need two kaparas. Needless to say, the wit very often accomplished what a straight appeal could not do. And Rebmer built the yeshiva. When the yeshiva was built, there was a yomtov, actually, in Poland. People came from all over. People even came from America to witness the establishment of the yeshiva. And it was a magnificent building. I had the privilege of visiting this yeshiva when, a few years ago, I went with a group of students from Yeshivat HaRetzion on the trip through Poland. We had known that the building of the famous Yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin had become a medical school, and later, more recently, it has been rebought by the Jewish community and is being rebuilt or refurbished, redesigned to be a home of Jewish culture where Shi'urim will be given. I went to the Bet Midrash, a very impressive building which apparently had been used as a lecture hall in the medical school after the Churban of Europe, and I gave a shear there. When I gave the shear, I explained that one of the entrance requirements to the Yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin was to give was to know 200 pages of Gemara by heart. I knew personally the Bochein, the examiner of Chachmei Lublin. Reb Pinchas Hirschbrum, who was later the chief rabbi of Montreal, was known to be one of the greatest Bekim of our generation. He knew Shas word for word by heart, including the little numbers, the sides of the page. He had a photographic memory and the entire Shas was printed in his mind. He told me that he used to give Bechinas on any 200 pages that the boys came in and he always wanted to show that there's something more, a little more Bechinas, a little more understanding that they could accomplish and therefore he knew the entire Shas, no matter which 200 pages you came, not only could he test the boys without a Gemara, but he could also show them that he knew it better than they did. I pointed out the irony of the situation. Here I am giving a shear on the stage, on the bima, where Amir Shapiro stood and gave shear, in the place where Avhershbun was the bochein, 
And I couldn't have even been accepted to the yeshiva. To know 200 pages Gemara by heart? I wonder today how many Ramim in yeshivas actually could have passed the Bechina to get into Yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin. The other major accomplishment of Amir Shapiro's life was, of course, the Daf Yomi. At an Agudah convention, Rameir proposed the idea that Jews all over the world learn the same pages. He had a few ideas in mind when he proposed this idea. One of them was that Jews from all over the world will have something specifically in common. At the end of the day, a Jew, at that time, traveling by train today, a person flying from Israel, landing in, in, in Tinek, could say, could meet somebody in shul that night and they could discuss the daf yomi, the daf that they learned that day. They both had learned the same page. Another concept of the daf yomi was that there were certain masechtas that were learned more in yeshiva and certain masechtas that were learned less. The mayor's idea was that we should learn all masechtas. The entire range of shas should be learned. And of course, if you learn daf yomi, so within seven years, you accomplish the you finish the entire Shas in somewhat above more than seven years. They say that the first day, this suggestion created a great amount of discussion, and people weren't really sure how it would take off, would it happen, would it not happen. One of the other great leaders of Polish Jewry at that time was the Gary Rebbe, who of course attended the Knesia Gdola, this big meeting of Rabbanim in Europe. A group of Hasidim went to the Ger Rebbe and said to him, Rabbi Meir made this, uh, this discussion, this idea, what do you say about it? We'd like a discussion of the topic. The Ger Rebbe's answer was, I have no time to discuss it now because I'm on my way to begin Dafyomi. This, of course, was the signal for all Ger Hasidim to begin learning Dafyomi. And Dafyomi has since taken off to a tremendous extent. Perhaps in the first 20, 30 years, there were chevros, there were groups that learned Dafyomi. But today, we have seen such a proliferation of shiurim, of Dafyomi, that it's simply incredible, and we just wonder the nachas that Rameer Shapiro would have seen from his idea. Today, there are, there is hardly a community which doesn't have at least one shear in Dafyomi. And of course, the magnificent seum that's made when they finish Shas all over the world, which is today transmitted through electronic means. Thousands of people attend, other thousands, who knows how many people participate in the Siyum Shas. This is part of the great mif'al of Rameer Shapiro. Unfortunately, these two great ideas were accomplished by him, but much more may have been done. But Rav Meir Shapiro died at a very young age. He was 45 or 46 when he was Niftar. It's almost mind-boggling to think how much this man has, had accomplished in such a short lifespan. The legends of his death are even more remarkable. On Zayim Cheshvan, that year, he assembled Talmudim around him and told them to sing and dance they say that they sang to a tune that Rabbi Meir Shapiro had himself written. He loved those students, wanted to be with them on his deathbed. He himself had no children. His students were his children. 
This is the greatness of Rameir Shapiro, known for the Dafyomi and known for the Yeshiva of Chachmei Lublin.